We've been uh, talking about the gifts of the Spirit. Are you all excited? Now, I'm so happy that God's people are excited about spiritual gifts. You know, you don't get threatened about it since, ooh, we're talking about gifts. And, uh, we've been talking about spiritual gifts on purpose because we believe that the gifts of the Spirit are for all of us. Amen? Not just for those who do crusades and preach and big uh, meetings. It's the gifts of the Spirit are for all believers. And so we've been trying to understand how these gifts function. I'm trying to equip ourselves with these gifts so that when we go out into this world, we can make a difference for the kingdom of God. Amen. So we, we started last Sunday on the, on, on the gift of prophecy. And I want to quickly review what we did last Sunday and uh, uh, take it further and bring it to some kind of conclusion this morning as we talk about the gift of prophecy. And then we're all going to swim this morning. Amen. I hope you all brought your swimming suits tonight, uh, this morning. Yes? Ready? We'll push you in the deep end. We did that this morning at our South Church. All right. Uh, Just to quickly review, we said, you know, prophecy is simply God speaking to man through man. It's God speaking to man through man. Very simple, nothing complicated. God is speaking. You're just a channel. It's coming out through you. It's going to somebody. Somebody's going to be ministered to. Somebody's going to be blessed. Prophecy, God speaking to man through man. We said that prophecy is meant for edification, exhortation, comfort. And that as you grow in it, God will begin to use you in other, other realms as correction, direction, revelation, prediction. We talk, talked about the prophetic growth chart. We said, you know, how we all begin with just learning how to flow in the simple gift of prophecy. The first time you want to prophesy, your heart will palpitate, your knees will fellowship, and out will spill the words in, in all kinds of order, you know. And, uh, but that's the first time. But then once you keep doing it, soon you'll be strong, you'll be bold. Do you know how to bring the word of the Lord to people? You won't be afraid. Right? So we start with a simple gift of prophecy and then you move into being a prophesying believer. Somebody who's consistently prophesying. And then at some point you transition into having a prophetic ministry where people begin to see that, hey, so and so, they're really bringing uh, accurate prophecies. God is using them. They have a very valid prophetic ministry. And we said last Sunday that all of us can move from just the simple gift of prophecy, all of us can move into having a prophetic ministry. All of us can do that. And I'm really looking forward for that kind of a church. Amen? But everyone has a prophetic ministry. Everyone is just learning, just flowing so wonderfully in this, just blessing one another and turning the world upside down as we go and prophesy to the world. And then if God calls us, God might call some of us into uh, being a mature prophet. Now this is not for everyone. Some people will get in uh, and be appointed in the office of a prophet, but all of us can have a prophetic ministry. Uh, Quickly to review, how do we express prophecy? You can speak it, you can pray it, you can sing it, or you can do it. So there's so many ways to express prophecy. We said that all can prophesy. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14.1, I'm just reading here. Uh, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 14.1, he says, Pursue love, desire the spiritual gift, and especially to prophesy. So we said, you know, how many people are supposed to pursue love? 50%? All believers, right? So if the beginning of the verse says, all believers must walk in love, it's safe to say that the rest of the verse also applies to all believers. Pursue love. All must pursue love. All must desire spiritual gifts. And all must desire especially to prophesy. So the audience in 1 Corinthians 14.1 doesn't change suddenly in the middle of the verse. It's consistent through the verse. So throughout the verse, everyone is, this, is instructed to walk in love, desire spiritual gifts, and desire to prophesy. We said we prophesy in part. All prophecy must be judged. And 
How and when you deliver the messages in your control, you know, God doesn't slap you in your head and out spill the words. And it doesn't happen that way. And uh, we, we shouldn't be too hasty to use thus says the Lord. And our prophecy can come along with other gifts. And quickly to re- review the impact and the power of prophecy. Uh, we said the prophecy brings edification and comf- exhortation and comfort. Prophecy can reveal one's true character and potential. The prophetic word brings a revelation of the plans and purposes of God. Um, the prophetic word stirs up and causes the release of faith. The prophetic word brings motivation to carry out the purposes of God. The prophetic word can bring correction, restoration, preservation. Uh, the prophetic word can bring a conviction and repentance turning to God. And the prophetic word tran- can transform an individual, a group, a community, a city, or even a nation. All of that just in review. Now, uh, the nice thing today with technology is this. We have something called a website. Amen? Every Monday... The outline of the message, and now we've even started putting the audio recordings. They go up on our website. And so you can go there, you can get our, uh, the entire outline and download the audio recording. And listen to it, listen to it, until it just becomes a part of you. And you just begin to flow. And so I really encourage all of you to go do that. Uh, make use of what we have today. Thank God for technology. It just really helps us move faster in the things of God. So this morning, I want to kind of just move forward in this whole gift of prophecy uh, give some guidelines, give some, uh, some more understanding of this gift, and then we're all going to start prophesying this morning. Just going to push all of us into that this morning. Let's understand the prophetic process. There are different things we must understand when it comes to prophecy. When it comes to prophetic things, prophetic process, there's several things. First of all, it begins with revelation. You know, how do you get a word from God? Revelation. So that's how if you don't have a word from God, you can't prophesy. So revelation, how do you receive that word? Then there is presentation. How do you deliver that word correctly? Then there's interpretation, meaning how do you make sense of what God is saying? What is the meaning of what God is saying? Interpretation. That's important. Then there is application. How, what do you do with what you've heard? How do you apply this word? Then there is timing. We must understand the timing in prophecy. Not everything. Timing. Now, how do you understand timing in prophecy? And when God wants to see that fulfilled. And then there is confirmation. So I want to just kind of go and and give us an overview of this prophetic process. I'm kind of really summarizing in this one hour something, you know, we're teaching in a Bible college for many months. And and, uh, and it takes a lot of time to really get an understanding of it. But I'm just kind of summarizing it so we we get an overview. We get some guidelines in place so that none of us get hurt as we move in this gift of prophecy. So let's talk about Revelation. How do you receive prophecy? If you go with me quickly to 1 Chronicles 29, 29. We're working on a book on understanding the prophetic. And at some point before the millennium, it'll be out, which will have all of this in, in much greater depth. Uh, 1 Chronicles 29, 29 says this. Now the acts of King David, first and last, indeed, they are written in the book of Samuel the seer, in the book of Nathan the prophet, and in the, in the book of Gad, the seer. You see, you see the name of three prophets. Samuel is called a seer. Nathan is called a prophet. The Hebrew word there is Nabi. So in this verse, we get two categories, very broad categories of prophets. There are the seer prophets and then there are the Nabi prophets. The seer prophets really are prophets who really see things. Meaning God communicates the, to them in pictures, in things they see. And there is, there is a Nabi prophet who, the Nabi word, the word Nabi simply means to bubble up. So the Nabi prophet is more of an inspirational prophet. He receives his message from God in ways that, this, that comes up as an inspiration, as something that bubbles up from the inside. So very broadly speaking, how God communicates to us, how does he speak to us? It can come in visions, it can come in pictures, things you see. 
Or it can come in things that are inspired, they just bubble up, ooze up from inside of your spirit. Are we clear on that? So just very speaking very broadly. Now another thing we must understand about the way God speaks is that God, uh, for some reason, has chosen to speak through symbols. So let's go to Hosea chapter 10. Just a few scriptures from the Old Testament uh, as we kind of uh, try to understand how revelation comes. The book of Hosea chapter 12 and verse 10. Hosea 12 verse 10. It says, I have also spoken by the prophets. God is saying, I have spoken by the prophets. I have multiplied visions. I have given symbols through the mouth of the prophets. So God is saying, I've spoken through the prophets. You know, God is taking this very seriously. It's not a joke. God says, I spoke through them. Right? And he says, I have given them visions and I have given them symbols. So this is how God speaks. He speaks through visions, pictures. Sometimes it's a motion picture. Something is moving. And through symbols. That means objects that you see that have a different meaning than their own literal sense. So God chooses to speak through symbols. You see this once again in the book of Numbers, the 12th chapter, if you just go over to Numbers chapter 12, verses 5 through 8. Then the Lord came down on the pillar of cloud and stood on the door of the tabernacle and called uh, Aaron and Miriam and they both went forward. Then he said, hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I the Lord make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He's faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly and not in dark sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord. So how, what is a normal prophetic process? Visions, dreams, dark sayings or symbols. That's the normal prophetic process, the way God speaks normally. Visions, dreams and symbols. Now, in Moses, God had brought him to a place where he could speak to Moses face to face. It would be wonderful if we all got there. But before we get there, we must understand the normal process. Visions, dreams and symbols. This is how God communicates. Why God chose to do that, I don't know. But we must understand the way He does it. Visions, dreams, and symbols. And uh, uh, so visions are things that we can see, pictures we can see. Uh, dreams are pictures in the night. You know, when you're asleep, God has your full attention. And He can speak to your spirits in a dream. It could be a 10-minute dream. It could be a one-second dream. doesn't matter. God communicates to your spirit in a dream. And symbols, they represent parable. There's something. They, they're not the literal. They have some meaning, a hidden meaning. And we must understand symbol. Now, here's a picture that many of you have seen often. It's a picture I've put together that really helps us understand how God speaks to us. Right? And maybe someday we will study this whole picture in, in, in detail. But I want to give you an overview, which I've been giving you all along. An overview of this picture. To understand how God speaks to us. See, in the body, in our body, our body has five gates or five channels of communication. Is that correct? What we see, what we hear, what we feel, what we taste and uh, smell. And uh, through these five gates, information goes into our soul or mind where we analyze, we process that information and then we make decisions. Now our spirit, the human spirit, your spirit, my spirit, human spirit also has cap these five capabilities, capability, these five faculties. Your spirit can see, right? The Bible says, I know, Psalmist prayed, open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wonderful things out of your law. What eyes was he talking about? Not unnatural eyes, but the eyes of the Spirit. Paul prayed, open thou prayed. He said, may the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. 
the eyes of your spirit. Our spirit can taste. The Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How are we going to taste the Lord? In the spirit. Right? Your spirit can hear. The Bible says, let him who has ears to hear, hear what the spirit is saying. Which ears? Not the outward ear, but the ear of your spirit. Your spirit can feel. You feel love. You feel peace. Uh, you feel joy. You feel these kinds of things. So your spirit can feel. It has the ability to feel. Your spirit can, what did we leave out? There's, there's a whole realm of smell. Uh, the Bible talks about in, in the spirit realm, our prayers are like incense. The Bible says that we are like a sweet fragrance of the Lord. So there's a spirit, there's a smell dimension even in the spirit that you can pick up. But normally, God uses these three ways. What we see, what we hear, what we feel in the spirit to communicate to us. Are we all clear? Amen. Now, in the spirit, you might see something. For example, you're just talking to somebody and, and suddenly you see something in the spirit. It's not something you're imagining in your mind, right? So, you know, you're not, you're not looking at, uh, if I'm looking at Anish, in my mind, I can, I can, you know, if I want to, in my mind, I can imagine Anish in a nice suit, you know, driving a Mercedes or whatever. I can imagine that in my mind. But when we're talking about God communicating, He can just give you a picture in your, in your spirit. It's not something your mind is in, in thinking about. It comes up in your spirit, and then, of course, it comes to your mind. And then you capture that. And then you begin to describe. You begin to share. A picture is worth a thousand words. So in one picture, God can communicate so much to you. Amen. The thing is, we need to be sensitive to these pictures that come along, that come up in our spirit. That we need to capture that and understand that God is saying something through that picture. And then describe it or do something with it. In the same way, God can speak through a word. Your spirit, a single word can come into your spirit. A sentence, a paragraph, and sometimes a whole lot of information imparted to your spirit in an instant, in a moment. It just comes up in your spirit. Okay, this is not something you're thinking in your mind, but it's being imparted to your spirit. And from your spirit, it comes into your realm of understanding where you capture it, and then you think about how to release it. So just one word comes up, and that's God speaking. You know, sometimes we want God to say a big paragraph, but really sometimes God just gives one sentence. I mean, think about Philip. He's in the desert just minding his own business, and, you know, he just happens to see a chariot going by, and God speaks to him. What does God say? Go join this chariot. Four words. Now, Philip doesn't say, whoa, where is, where, what were these four words? God, which chariot? Where is this chariot going to? Where is he coming from, God? God, who is in the chariot? I mean, he doesn't ask all these questions. The only thing God said was, go join this chariot. Four words, one sentence. Was God speaking? Of course God was speaking. And what does Philip do? He runs, he goes and joins his chariot. And what happened? It unlocks an entire continent for the gospel. Because in that chariot was an Ethiopian man. He was on his way back to Ethiopia. Philip shared the gospel with him. And what do you think he did? He took it back to Africa. Go join this chariot. A continent was opened with four words in English. I don't know what it was in Greek. <laughs> but see how powerful it is. You know, sometimes we are waiting for big paragraphs, volumes. God, speak to me. And you're expecting, you know, big volumes to drop out of heaven. Sometimes a single sentence can alter somebody's destiny. That's all you need. A single word can change somebody's life. Amen. So we need to be attentive to those words, the sentences. Sometimes there's more information coming through and that's great. And then there is what, what would it be? See, hear, and feel. You know, your spirit can feel. And so you need to be sensitive to the feelings. 
couple of days ago I was praying about something I said God you know do what, what should I do and uh, God didn't speak to me through a picture God didn't speak to me through any word but I had the peace of God in my heart that's a feeling and that's good enough to know what God wants you to do amen no it doesn't that the God always has to give you a picture 3d picture rotating so no no it doesn't have to be that always God has to give you one big paragraph to give you his direction sometimes just the feeling you have in your spirit the feeling of peace the feeling of joy is God speaking to you and telling you what to do. Sinner, God, I said, God, I am feeling your peace concerning this matter, so I'm going to go ahead with it. I'm feeling your peace. That's enough. That's God's, God's guidance, God's direction concerning what I have to do. Right? So the peace of God, the feeling that you have in your spirit, sometimes it's a feeling of restlessness. No, don't do it. It'll get you into trouble. Just that, that wrong feeling. Sometimes you may not have a full understanding of it, but you just don't feel right in your spirit. So it's okay, God, I don't feel right, so I'm, I'm going to wait until I know what. I, I just want to help us all get started. No, first is, you know, when you want to prophesy, to, you know, of course, the first thing to do is to find somebody to prophesy to, right? So just find somebody, right? Find somebody that you can prophesy to. Next, step two, <laughs> is you start praying for them. You say, Lord, I just pray for so-and-so. You just start praying. And you start with the things that you do know. Oh God, I pray for this person, you know, whatever the things that you know, you start praying for them. And as you pray, you start perceiving. That means you keep your eye channel open, your ear channel open, and uh, your feeling channel open. These are three most wa- common ways. And last Sunday, something strange happened to me in the North Church. I was speaking in the North Church, and suddenly it was the end of the service. I got a cigarette smell. Now, nobody was smoking in the hall. And Atobo was sitting in front, so it couldn't be him smoking. <laughs> So it just caught my attention. I said, whoa, where did that come from? I'm just praying. And it's just, but then I immediately, I realized God was doing something. I said, if there's anybody here who's got an addiction to cigarettes, Lord is delivering you right now. Okay? So a smell could be God speaking something to you, right? And nobody's smoking inside, nothing, but just that, right? So sometimes God does things like that. But normally it's what you see, what you hear, what you feel. So as you begin to pray, you open up your, the eyes of your spirit. And, and you open up your spirit and say, God, I want, what are you saying? Give me a word for this person. Lord, is there something you want to tell? And you're keeping your spirit eyes open. You're keeping your spirit ears open. And you're keeping your feelings open in the spirit. Right? To see if any picture comes, any word comes. And sometimes it can be a picture. You begin to say it. Sometimes it can be a word. You begin to say it. Sometimes it's a feeling. You begin to go with it. You begin to start doing that, releasing that. So you pray, you perceive, and then you prophesy. You release it. Now, how you release that prophecy can be just simply through prayer itself. You don't have to. Uh, sometimes you can switch over and say, you know, I begin to sense the Lord is saying this and the Lord is saying that. You can switch over or you can just keep it in your prayer. A couple of weeks, I mean, two Sundays ago, I think we were in, uh, in, in Nasik. We went to somebody's house for lunch after the meeting. And uh, after lunch, they said, pray. I said, okay, we're going to pray for this family. I don't know anything about this family. God, what do I pray for them? So I just begin to pray. I said, no, you, we had lunch in the house. So the nice thing to say is, God, thank you. Bless them for their food they give. Right? So Lord, just you know, thank you for the hospitality. And as I'm praying like that, in my spirit, I'm listening to God. God, watch I pray for for this family. So as I'm praying, you know, I just begin to sense divine favor. So I say, uh, outside the house. So I begin to pray and say, Lord, I pray you'll give this family divine favor outside the house. Then what next, Lord? What else do I pray for? Then I see the words, debt, debt cancellation. Then I say, Lord, I pray that you will cancel every debt in this house. I don't know anything about this house. I don't know whether they are in debt. I don't know how much debt, but I'm seeing the words, debt cancellation. So I'm praying for that. Lord, I pray that you'll cancel debt. And in the house, everyone's saying, Amen. So then I know, we're on the right track. Keep going. You know? <laughs> 
I say, Lord, what next? What else to pray for? Then I see this word, new job. So I said, God, I pray that you'll release a new job to this house. And they're all saying, amen. So, oh yeah, that's good encouragement. Amen. So what's happening? You're just praying and you're listening to God and God is giving you words. One word, dead cancellation. Another word, new job. And you're making it part of your prayer. You're praying prophecy for them. Very simple. Amen. And you don't have, I mean, if you want to, you can switch over and say the Lord says a new job is coming or the Lord, Lord says he's canceling this. If you want, you can switch over and do that. But if some people are not ready to receive it, it's just, uh, it's, it's just, you know, it's just fine, just releasing in prayer. And they'll be wondering, how did you know to pray for these things? That's enough evidence that God is speaking. Amen. So just release it through prayer. So Lord, pray for these things. And so you can pray, you prophesy. You pray, perceive, and then prophesy. Release it for the people. You know, our greatest hindrance to moving in prophecy, it's our own emotions, our own opinions. You know, suppose you see a man, a young boy, young man, you know, he's wearing rubber slippers, he's wearing torn jeans, and you're praying for him, and God says, successful businessman. And you're saying, man, that can't be from God. Because your mind is looking at him and saying, this can't be a successful businessman. But the word coming on your spirit is successful businessman. That's when you need to just shut your mind up. Say, mind, keep quiet. I'm sensing these words coming up. So Lord, I pray this for that person. I'll just release it. God says he'll make you a successful businessman. So our biggest challenge in, 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 in learning to hear from God and, re- and release prophecy is our own mind, our own opinions, our own reasoning that kind of hinders it. So here's a good secret. The first word is God's word. Generally speaking, the first word is God's word. Because after you get that word, then your reasoning kicks in. And a lot more words that come after that. And if you discuss it with somebody, you get the words of a lot of counsel which confuses you even further. Right? So the first word is God's word. You catch that, you begin to go with it. And once you get in the flow, more words will start coming. First word is God's word. Revelation 4, 1, John said, As he was caught into heaven, the first voice I heard said, Come up hither. The first voice, God's first word. You need to catch that. Amen? If you will learn, tune yourself to catch the first word. Before your reasoning kicks in and, you know, disqualifies what you're hearing, uh, you'll, you'll, be, you'll, you'll be able to do good. Now let's talk about presentation. How do you deliver prophecy? So you've been listening to God, you've been perceiving, you hear something, you see something, you feel something, and now you want to deliver it. Here are some guidelines. You know, when you're do it, doing prophecy, you can do it to an individual. You can do it one-on-one. And meet somebody, prophecies one-on-one. Sometimes you can do it in a small group, cell group. We really encourage that in your cell groups. Practice to prophesy. If people are drowning, you can just easily pull them out. You know, practice in small groups. Uh, you can do prophecy to a large group. Sometimes you go to a large meeting. God says, this is a word for everyone here. Sometimes it could be in prophetic presbytery. We do that very often in our, in our, our pastors. We kind of get together. When our outreach pastors come back into town, we put them all in the middle. And each one, whatever be here, we prophesy with them. That's pro- pro- prophetic presbytery. Meaning a team of prophets, a team of ministers are prophesying over an individual. So prophecy can be done in so many different ways. But here are some quick guidelines. Number one is this. Use the gifts to edify people. Use it to build up. Don't use the gift to condemn somebody. Don't use the gift to embarrass somebody. And don't use the gift to put somebody to public shame. Use it only to build. So Suppose God gives you a prophetic word. It's a, a word, a prophecy. It's very important how you release it. There are some words you should not prophesy in public. Example, you know, suppose the Lord puts, give, puts some, a word in your heart saying, you know, that brother there, he's got a problem with pornography. You're up on stage. You don't say, you know, you brother there, stand up in a pink shirt, yellow, yellow shorts, you know. You've got a... <laughs> All right, change, purple shorts. <laughs> All right, you brother, you stand up. 
God says that you have a problem with pornography. And if you don't repent, God is going to come in and burn you up alive. You know, you know, don't do some things like that. It could really offend the person. And he may never come back to church. Don't do those kinds of things. If God really is speaking, what do you do? That kind of word, you need to go personally and talk to him. And say, hey, you know, I just have this thing. Is it right? If it's, if it's right, then just sit down quietly and pray with him. Now, if it's a word of blessing, if it's a word that's coming in to bring, uh, you know, uh, bring a blessing into somebody's life, praise God, just speak it out in public and, so that everybody can be built up and encouraged and see what the Lord's doing. Now, a couple of Sundays ago, we were in, in Nasek after, after the pastor's conference there. Towards the end of it, just having a few words of knowledge and prophecies flowing there. And just to illustrate what, what's happening. So I'm seeing different things. You know, first I see you know, a car. And this is a group of pastors who many of them walk or ride cycles. Forget about cars, you know. And uh, I said, God, I'm seeing this. So I said, you know, if there's somebody here right now praying for a car, raise your hand up. And one person lifts his hand up. And uh, uh, I just released uh, the, the word saying, God's hearing your prayer. God answers you. And there's another thing I say, okay, there's a, there's a, there's a lady here. You've got a situation in your home of conflict. And there's another lady in your house with whom you're always having con- conflict. And, uh, and uh, this is either your mother or your daughter. But God is releasing a word. The, you know, the word of knowledge and the prophecy comes. Say, God is going to bring reconciliation into your home. Who is that? Lift your hand up. One lady lifts her hand up and is released there. And then another word saying, you know, this young man, this very moment, you're praying and asking God to release the gift of prophecy. Who is that? One man lifts him up and just release a word. But then comes a word which says, there is a servant of God here. You are having, you know, you're praying about your marriage. And you've been praying that God would restore your marriage to, its, to the way it was. God, to bring love back into your marriage. And, you know, I can actually see a picture of his wife. And I can see she's wearing red lipstick. Oh. But I don't, I don't go to that extent. I'm just saying that. I just say, you know, this is what's happening. But I don't tell that person to lift their hand up. Right. You need to protect the identity of a man of God. Right. So I don't say lift your hand up. I say, okay, just receive this word. That God is restoring and bringing first love back into your marriage. He's going to restore it. Now after the service is over, I'm just getting down to go. The, the pastor was interpreting for me. He and his wife come together. And they say, pastor, that word was for us. And she was having red lipstick. <laughs> And, uh, and so, you know, the point is that there are some words that you can't, don't tell people, lift your hand up. Who is it? Why? You know, you cannot embarrass people in front of others. And imagine if the pastor lifted his hand up, people, people in his congregation watch, oh, my pastor, he's got family problems. <laughs> and that's it, you know, that the whole gossip will go around town saying pastor's got this and that and all that. But so, so some things you just need to protect the identity, just release the word, it will bless somebody, it will change somebody's life. They will know when it's them. They'll be able to receive it. So you need to know how to release the word correctly so that it edifies people, not put people down. Um, in a group setting, let everybody participate. You know, you, you, if you're a seasoned person, of course you can prophesy for five hours, but the cell group is one and a half hours. So please, restrict it to five minutes and give others a chance to prophesy. You know. uh, follow instructions. You know, whenever they're instructing, there's instructions in Scripture. The Bible says that in, when you're in a group setting, let the prophets speak two or three, let the others judge. So do it in turn, do it in order. Uh, follow instructions there given to us. Uh, very important is when you're prophesying, allow yourself to be judged. Right? Never go to somebody and say, you know, uh, this is what God is saying. You either believe it or if you don't believe it, you'll end up and you'll die. Like, Come on, relax. You know? Don't do those kinds of things. Don't manipulate, control people with your prophecy. Always be open for correction. Amen. So when you are delivering prophecy, you just say, you know, uh, this is what I sent the Lord saying, please check it. Please test it. And if you feel it's right, receive it. Amen. 
Because that's what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us to test all things. I've heard people who've come back and said, you know, so-and-so prophesied over me and they said, or over somebody and they said that, you know, if, if this doesn't happen, I'm going to die. What, what kind of prophecy is it? You're, you're putting fear into that person's life. So don't uh, do those kinds of things where you prophesy and put people uh, in, into bondage. Uh, maintain order when you prophesy. So there's some guidelines in delivering prophecy. Let's go to interpretation. I think it's very important. You know, um, wrong interpretation to a genuine word that God is speaking can create chaos and result in a lot of problems. So God may be speaking a true word, a true word is coming forth, but if you're interpreting it incorrectly, you will get into a lot of problems. So it's very important to interpret the message correctly. Understand what God is saying. And as we said earlier from Scripture, many times God uses symbols. A symbol is basically an object or an action. And it has, some symbols have a self-contained meaning and some symbols have an assigned meaning. Let's explain this. Now, let me just go back and say, you know, how important it is to interpret symbols very correctly. You know, here's, here's a true story, you know. There was a very well-known man of God and he was prophesying to a congregation like this. And uh, pastor was there listening to all of this and he was prophesying very accurate words. And suddenly, you know, he told one person, he said, brother, you stand up. And uh, he said, uh, uh, you know, the Lord is going to use you as a great worship leader and God is going to give you wonderful worship ministry and so on. So then he prophesied and said, no. the pastor was listening to all this. He said, you know, all the others were pretty accurate, but the pastor knows that individual and he knows that past, the past, that man is just like the pastor. He can't sing. He can't sing. He can't play any musical instruments. How come this prophet is saying that he's going to have, be a worship leader and have wonderful worship ministry? So he goes to this prophet after the service and he says, you know, what did you see when you gave that prophecy to that man? And he said, you know, I saw musical notes over his head. That's why I said. So he interpreted the symbol. He saw the symbol of music. He saw musical notes. So he interpreted what God was giving him symbolically to say that you are going to be a wonderful worship leader. You're going to have a great worship ministry, etc. But the pastor said, you know, uh, what God showed you was right. The musical notes was right. But the pro- there's, there's a little problem. This man runs a music shop and he sells instruments. He sells musical instruments. So the interpretation was a little off. Musical notes, symbol, accurate, right. So what happened? So, you know, we had to discard that prophecy, right? What God was saying was right, but the way it was interpreted was wrong. This man, sure, is in the music business, but he has no musical acumen. All he does is sells instruments. He runs a music store, sells stuff, right? So just an example here of why when you see a symbol, you need to get the meaning of it correctly and interpret it correctly, bring the right message through. You know, so there are some symbols which have a self contained meaning for example in 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 jeremiah jeremiah chapter 1 verse 18 god says jeremiah you are an iron pillar so this symbol has a self-contained meaning iron pillar represents strength it represents stability so suppose you're prophesying to somebody and you see an iron pillar don't tell them you're like an iron pillar you know no you say God is is saying that you're you're like this. That means you have strength, uh, you have stability in your life, right? So you're interpreting the symbol correctly for this person. Now, so some symbols have a self-contained meaning, but sometimes the meaning is assigned, meaning the meaning of the symbol is not very evident. So you need to ask the Lord, what is the meaning you're assigning? For example, Jeremiah sees... In Jeremiah 24, verse 3 to 5, he sees a basket of figs. 
So God, what does these figs? And God says, these figs are my people. Now you can never put the two together. You can never put figs and people together. But God is assigning a meaning to figs. These figs are my people. These good figs are my people. So sometimes when the symbol is, the meaning of the symbol is not self-evident, then you need to ask the Lord, Lord, what is the meaning of this? In our, in our Bible college, we're teaching a course right now on prophetic ministry, and uh, where we go into kind of much greater depth and all these things. And, and uh, uh, our Bible college students, they dream a lot. Not because they sleep a lot, but they dream a lot. Right? And uh, so we have some good conversations in class. They ask about the dreams and what they're going so here's some, just an example this past week. You know, one of the uh, young men said, you know, I had a dream recently. He said, I saw myself digging a pit. All right, I saw, I saw myself dig, digging a pit. And then I saw, you know, planting flowers and flowers just filled the pit. They were wonderful flowers. Then I saw two ladies coming in and I saw one of the ladies commending me for this work. What is the meaning of this dream? What's the meaning of this dream? So now, how do you bring meaning to this dream? God is speaking. How do you bring meaning to this dream? Now, obviously, digging is, has a self-evident meaning. Digging means laying your foundation. You dig down to lay a foundation. Self-evident meaning. Flowers, what, do, what can you mean in flowers? Now, flowers could mean so many things. In the Bible, flowers, you know, the desert shall rejoice and blossom like the rose. Flowers can represent something new uh, happening. A change from dryness to uh, something, you know, blossoming. Uh, it could also mean beauty. Like the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley. But in this case, none of them apply to this person. So he's saying, God, what is the meaning? I need an assigned meaning for this. And as I'm listening to them, you know, I'm, I'm, listening, I'm listening to his dream, but I'm listening to God. Right? For the interpretation. Listening to the dream, listening to God. What's the interpretation? And children is what it comes. Flowers represent children. And I remember interpreting a previous dream for the same person about children's ministry. So this is a consistent interpretation of the dream. Right? And so it says, flowers represent children. So God's going to use you to lay a foundation, wherever you're going to go, to lay a foundation for this children's ministry. And the parents are going to come, they're going to see the work, and they're going to commend you for the work that's done. So you bring an interpretation, a meaning to this. So you see this picture. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking to one of our young men, and uh, I was just praying with him. And while I was praying, I got this picture. I saw a tree, and I saw a bird coming and sitting on the branch of the tree. I could see the colors of the bird. But when I saw this picture, I didn't know the meaning. I said, God, I can't, what is this meaning? So I didn't tell him anything. I just said, amen, we finished praying. But later on, I, said, God, I started praying. I said, God, you know, I saw a tree. I saw a bird coming and sitting on the tree. The bird was very vibrant in color. I saw the colors. What is the meaning, God? And as I was praying, suddenly the words came up. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of so that means this tree represents the man. In the Bible, tree represents human beings, many places. So God's saying, he is a tree. And I said, God, what is that bird? Because I can't understand. Well, I was looking at, uh, uh, trying to understand, what, what does the Bible say about a bird? The only thing you can see is the Song of Solomon. He talks about the sort of my woman, you're like a dove. You know? So what's a bird, Lord? What's a bird? Now I need an assigned meaning to this bird. And God says, in that prayer, now it's very secret, right? God says, that bird represents the lady I brought into his life. Okay, so he was a bachelor, so it applies. You know? <laughs> and I said, okay, so that's what it means. God, is it my, you know, now I'm treading on, you know, dangerous ground here. One important thing to understand when you're prophesying, no dates, no mates. Amen? No dates, no mates. Stay away from giving dates to people and stay away from telling them whom to marry. No dates, 
no mates. So now I'm treading on dangerous ground here. God, this bird represents the lady you brought into his life. Um, and I said, okay, let me do a test. I know the colors of the bird. I'm going to tell him. I said, okay. So when I, later on I called him, I said, you know, while I was praying, I actually saw this picture. I didn't get the meaning, so I went and prayed. Here's the meaning. Here's what God is saying. But you test it, and as a test, two colors on the bird. Ask that lady, what are her favorite colors? See if they match. <laughs> All right. So he did it. He'll give you the results shortly. <laughs> Amen. So, so just to let you know how, how you interpret these symbols is very important. How you interpret what God is showing you is so important. Now let's, let's put up some guidelines here on how to interpret symbols. When God is speaking through pictures or words, how do you interpret? Now, number one is always interpret using biblical symbolism. You know, the man on the street who does palm reading, he has his own book of interpreting symbols. Please do not refer his manual. <laughs> and then, if you go to the bookstore, there are a lot of new age books that give you all these signs and symbols and tell you the meaning. Please do not go to those books. When you want to interpret symbols, always use biblical symbolism. What does that symbol, what is the meaning of that symbol in the Bible? If you see a dove, the, in, the, in the Bible, the Holy Spirit is represented as a dove. In the Bible, dove means gentleness. Jesus said, be harmless as doves. In the Bible, dove also means gullible, being very gullible, easily deceived. The same symbol has different meanings in the Bible. So you need to know, okay, this is the biblical symbolism of this, what I'm saying, this object that I'm saying. What meaning does it, which meaning applies to this person, right? So number one is, look, go to biblical symbolism. Answer, what is the meaning of the symbol? Now, there will be times when the symbol is not <coughs> in the Bible. And in that moment, you need to ask the Lord, Lord, what are you saying? The meaning that the Spirit of God brings to that symbol. What are you saying? I'm seeing this. What does it mean? Third, when you're seeing a picture, a dream, a vision, you're seeing this uh, Identify what is literal and what is symbolic. In one picture, there could be parts that are literal and there could be parts that are symbolic. All right? That's very important. Don't make everything you see in the picture, in the dream, or in the vision as symbolic. Some could be symbolic, some could be literal. So you need to understand. Say, Lord, what is literal, what is symbolic, so that I can interpret this message correctly to this person. And number four, identify your audience. So who am, I, who am I prophesying to? So I see a dove. What could the dove mean to this person? Because in the Bible, dove could mean any three or four things. So if you know your audience, you will know, also know how to interpret that correctly to your audience. Know whom God is speaking. And number five, identify the resemblance. Usually there are two, just few resemblance. You don't have to make everything of the object and symbol apply to the individual. Just two or three that God is bringing in as a meaning, as part of your message. I mean, just think of these things in the Bible. You know, the Bible calls Jesus the Lamb of God. The Lamb is symbolic. I hope we all understand that. Amen. It's not literal. Jesus is not a Lamb. Symbolically, He is the Lamb of God. There's only one meaning that we attribute of the Lamb to Jesus. He is sinless, spotless. We cannot start doing like, you know, Lamb has four legs. So Jesus has four attributes that make him the lamb. You know, lamb has soft wool. So Jesus has tender heart. You, know? you can't start doing this kind of matching. No. One meaning from the symbol of the lamb of God applying to Jesus. But you also look at other symbols. You know, 
Jesus is called the lion of the tribe of Judah. But did you know the devil is also called the, like a roaring lion? Same symbol, once used for Jesus, once used for Satan. So it's so important, what meaning from the symbol do you apply to Jesus? What meaning from the symbol do you apply to Satan? Lion, Jesus is the king. He's strong, powerful. You can't say Jesus comes and eats you up. It's wrong meaning. What meaning of the lion do you apply to the devil? Well, he comes very stealthily. He wants to devour. Thief. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and Jesus said, I will come like a thief. In the night. Same symbol of thief. Used for the devil. Used for Jesus. Which part of the symbol do you assign to the devil? Which part of the same symbol do you assign to Jesus? So when Jesus said, I come like a thief in the night, he means I come when you least expect, unexpectedly. Right? The thief doesn't say, I'm coming at 2 o'clock, be ready. <laughs> what meaning do you assign to the devil? That means he, is, he takes what's not his. It's thief. Right? So very important, when you interpret any symbols and pictures, you're saying, be very careful. Now, here's a, a very important revelation. When you don't understand the meaning of the symbol, just tell them. Just tell them, I see this, I don't know what it means. A couple of weeks ago, I we was sitting at a restaurant. This is the month of January. Sitting at a restaurant with a man, just talking. Uh, we had actually gone. Uh, uh, many of us were there, and I was sitting by, on a separate table talking to this man. Um, he was uh, uh, he was very interested in knowing about the Lord, how to walk with the Lord, etc. So he was like an open, you know, open door, nice to share the gospel. And at the same time, while I'm talking to him, in my spirit, I'm praying. I said, God, give me a prophetic word. God, tell me something about this man so that I, he can know that he that that you you know his life. You know? So uh, we talk, and then we start praying. And as I'm praying, uh, I begin to see things. I say, I, say, I see a line of clothes hanging. Now, to me, that doesn't make any sense. And I have no way to interpret it. It's not in the Bible. Because there are no hangers. <laughs> and there's not, I don't see. So I, I, don't, I don't make any effort to interpret. I just stop and I say, you know, I see uh, um, clothes hanging. Uh, 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 like as you hang in a, you know, in a, in a dry cloth. All of these clothes hanging. Does it mean anything to you? I said, oh, that's my son. He spent so much money on clothes. He opened his wardrobe. It was full of clothes. And I'm I'm so troubled by it. I said, okay, we'll pray for it. So we start praying. As I start praying, I see a scooter and a bike. And I said, God, what is this? So I say, "Uh, I see a scooter and a bike. Does it mean anything to you? Say, yeah, that's my other son. He has a scooter and he's asking me for a bike. (laughs) So... It's enough for him to know that God is speaking into his life, into a situation. It's enough. How does he know? My, one, my first son, his main problem, buying clothes, cupboard full. The other son, he has scooter, wants a bike. Only God can put these things together. Amen? So it's a way for him to, hey, wake up. God's knocking at the door of your life. You need to respond. You need to open up. You need to receive the gospel. And so I encourage him to go to read the word and go to a good church that he finds near his home, etc. So uh, when you don't, when you can't interpret the meaning, just tell them. See, you know, I see this thing. Uh, 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 does it mean anything to you? It could mean a lot to that person. Amen? All right. For those who are awake, let me hear you say amen. amen. All right. It's getting close to Monday morning. <laughs> Application. Quickly, I want to finish up here. Application. You know, how do you apply prophecy? You need to do something with what God has spoken. Three important things. Three important things when you want to apply prophecy. Uh, Understand prophecy is always conditional, partial, and progressive. Even if God doesn't put an if in the personal prophecy, it contains an if. That means 
prophecy is conditional. If you do these things, they will come to pass. Right? So when God says God is going to prosper you, there's a condition already implied in it. It means that you do the things that are necessary to be prosperous. It means you obey God in those areas. So prophecy is always conditional. Number two, it's partial. We know in part we prophesy in. We're never going to prophesy everything about a person's life. You're never going to do that. Because you know in part, you only prophesy in part. So some people think, you know, I've got the sin in my life. But this prophet said God is going to bless me. It means God is okay with my sin. No. Just because God didn't say something about a certain area, it doesn't mean God is okay. Right? Every area of our lives are important to God. Even the areas of our life that were unaddressed in the prophecy. Because our prophecy is only partial. All our entire life must be uh, right before God. And prophecy is progressive, meaning prophecy adds. God adds, adds, adds. So he reveals something to you, then he adds some more, and he adds some more. So it's so important to keep a record of prophecy that you receive. Uh, keep a record and see how God is adding to what he is uh, speaking into your life. Pro- prophecy is progressive. And I want to just close with timing, and uh, I've been trying to close for a while. Uh, timing, there's a timing to close. Amen. Uh, timing, you know, it's so important to know when to act and when to expect the fulfillment. Of the prophecy. See, God's timings are very different from ours. In Psalm 90 and verse 4, a very well-known verse, it says this, that, uh, that uh, a thousand years are like one day to the Lord. God's concept of timing is so different. When God speaks to an individual, He always speaks in reference to a lifetime. When God speaks to a family, He speaks in terms of generations. When God speaks to nations, He speaks in terms of centuries. And when he speaks to his church, he speaks in terms of millenniums, thousands of years. Right? So for an individual, it's a lifetime. For a household, it's a generation. For a country, for a nation, it's in terms of centuries. And for the church, it's in terms of millenniums. Just think of it. Jesus said, behold, I come quickly. Behold, I come quickly. (laughs) Hurry up, Lord. But he's speaking in terms of thousands of years. 2,000 years. It's two days. It's only two days over. Behold, I come quickly. So understand God's frame of reference when he speaks. If he's speaking to a community, he's speaking in terms of generations. You know, so in that generation, in their generations, this will be fulfilled. And there's also a very important thing that there's something called prophetic foreshortening. That is, in one sentence, the timelines can differ. One sentence, timelines can Think about Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. It says, Unto us a son is born. Unto us a child is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. Between unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government being on his shoulder. How many years? At least 2,000 years. But it's all in one sentence. So a prophecy comes forth. The first part of the sentence could be immediate. Second part of the same sentence could be sometime in there future. So we must understand how God is speaking. Understand prophetic time and when God wants to see the fulfillment. And finally confirmation. Every prophecy that you receive must have confirmation. Three important confirmations you look for. One is your inner witness. Is there a witness in my spirit to this? Do I feel at peace about it? Uh, is it really, uh, am, I, am, I, am, I, am I at peace with what is being said? Secondly, the consistent versus the sudden. Be very careful of sudden prophecies. If God has been speaking to you, example, if God has been speaking to you saying, I'm going to make you a successful businessman, I'm going to make you a successful businessman, I'm going to make you a successful businessman, and suddenly somebody comes as a prophet saying, tomorrow thou must leave everything and go to China. 
be careful. Amen. Because God has been consistently saying one thing. It doesn't mean that that morning he woke up and said, Oh, I'm just so sorry. I made a mess of your, of your life. I'm going to change it today. No. Because if he's going to bring a change, he will consistently confirm the change he wants to bring into your. So be very careful about the sudden. Because God uh, is consistent in what he's, he's doing in your life. Be very careful about a sudden interception. If there's a sudden thing, wait for confirmation. That's the third thing. That in the mouth of others, that God will speak it. He will speak it several times to confirm what he's telling you. Amen. Now there's a lot more on, on, on prophecy and prophetic ministry. Someday we'll get into uh, greater depth on this. But I think uh, this is sufficient for all of us to start prophesying correctly and be a blessing to one another and to the world. So let's start prophesying. Amen. And there's a powerful move of God on the earth today. Uh, when you talk about evangelism, you know, if you look at church history, there have been all kinds, all forms of evangelism that, is, uh, that, is, that the church has developed. They began with the Campus Crusade. You know, there was the, the bridge illustration, Bill Bright and the Campus Crusade. Uh, there was friendship evangelism. There was evangelism explosion by John, uh, um, uh, I think it was John Kennedy who, who introduced evangelism explosion another way, which was very simple. Evangelism explosion was very simple. You meet somebody and say, if you go to hell, tonight, if you die tonight, where will you go? New method, you know. But it was very effective during that time. Then there was the uh, friendship evangelism, where, you know, you just befriend somebody. The way to a man's heart is through his stomach. So you just really apply that principle, and you become a good friend, and then you can lead, get his heart. Then there was servant evangelism, where, you know, you just really serve people. You know, you wash their feet, and then eventually you tell them you're doing it because of Jesus. So the church has developed all strategy, all kinds of strategies for evangelism over the, over the decades, over the recent decades. But today what God is releasing on the earth is what people are calling as prophetic evangelism. It's a, it's, a, it's a form of power evangelism where you use the gift of the Spirit to lead people to the Lord. Jesus is our best example. In John 4, when he was sitting by the well, this woman comes and, you know, and Jesus is tired. This woman has come to draw water. He asks her for something to drink. And she says, how can you, being a Jew, ask me a Samaritan for water? And he kind of engages into a conversation. And then he says, go call your husband. She says, oh, why is he interested in my husband? He says, she says, I have no husband. And she says, no, you're well said. Jesus says, you're well said. Because you've had five husbands. And the man you're living with is not your husband. She says, whoa, where did you get that information? Which channel? And she is ready to respond to Jesus. Her life has changed. Her whole community is changed. Prophetic evangelism. Amen. I want to encourage each one of us here. I'm just getting ready to close. Each one of us here to take this gift out into the world. When you are sitting by somebody, you know, maybe you just, you know, come, you, you, you're having coffee together. Just pray. Say, Lord, give me a word for this person. One word could change their life. One word could draw their heart to the Lord, knowing that God is speaking. So you pray. You pray. You say, but what if I don't get a word? It's okay. Relax. You haven't lost anything. As long as you keep trying, God will speak. God will speak. And you never know how many people we can bring into the kingdom of God if we just begin to flow in this. The gift of prophecy being used to touch people's lives. Amen. Whenever I get a chance, and if I'm sitting next to somebody, I say, praise, Lord, give me a word for this person. And you, you kind of begin the conversation. You get into those things. Start talking about it. If God says, you know, there's a problem in this area, or maybe he's praying about this, just start talking about it. You engage it. And, and he'll be wondering, how come you're talking about it? How come you brought up this subject? Because you're listening to God. and You're leading him in that way. Amen. So let's all be prophetic evangelists. Take this gift out to the world. Make a difference.